0: I just felt we had to sing that again and we had to declare it over ourselves. Because sometimes in the, in the way of the supernatural, you know we live in a supernatural realm, right? This world is not all that we see. And what we declare, what comes out of our mouth has power in the supernatural realm. And so I really saw like a desert as we were worshiping. And there were cracks in our hearts. And I felt like the Lord wanted to refresh us and restore us with His Holy Spirit. And I'm going to actually talk about that this morning. So the title of my message is, The Trap of Busyness. Who here, when someone says, hi, how are you doing? Your first response is, oh, very busy. I'm putting up my hand. Nee? We, we, we tend to say that. We intend to live lives that are very, very busy. And I feel like this morning the Lord wants to speak a very practical word. So it might not be anything new, new revelation, you know, but it is a word that I think, that I know actually, and I believe it has deep, profound spiritual impact if it lands into fruitful soil this morning. So I pray that we will receive that this morning. And I felt like the Lord really reminded me of this word in my own life, in this season in particular. Because I think especially in this year of COVID, you know, we got into a place where everything was stopped, right? A lot of us, okay, everyone has to stay at home. You're not going to school. We're not going to work. Nothing is happening. And it felt like we got to a place of, I think for some people, some people actually enjoyed a little bit of a breather in lockdown. Who felt like, Oh my gosh, I can actually breathe a little bit, ne? I felt like that as well. We just launched church. I was like, oh, <laughs> a little bit of a rest. Not that we are too much of rest. But I believe we are already in a place again where we're going back to those old ways of being busy. We're already back. Everyone was like, yes, lockdown is teaching us new rhythms. Lockdown is teaching us all these beautiful patterns to life. You know, It reveals where our priorities should be. But I find in my own life, I've already forgotten the lessons of lockdown because I'm already back at that place again. And I think for many of us, we are even more busy than what we were before lockdown. Because now, those of us with our own businesses, we've got to make up for what was lost. In many ways, we've got to school kids. They've got to catch up with the curriculum. So now we find ourselves in a place where we're even rushing more to get everything done, what we couldn't do before the end of this year. Who agrees? And I think, you know, the problem with that is that when we look at our Christian lives, and I I look at what we see in the ministry office, what we see when we do courses, what we see when people come and talk to us about their lives and their struggles and their challenges, I've come to this conclusion That the problem for most of us in our daily living, in our life to life, daily day to day, is that we can get so caught up in the busyness of life. We can get so caught up in the busyness of what we have to do that we actually have no place of just being with the Lord. We have no place left in our schedules We have no place left of intimacy with Jesus. And I'm talking to myself here as someone in ministry. You can even be in ministry and do the work of the Lord, but not spend any time with the Lord of the work. And that is probably the most dangerous place we can find ourselves in, whether you're in ministry, whether you're in corporate, whether you're in business, whether you are raising your kids. Because who knows, you cannot raise your kids without Jesus. All the parents go, amen. You know, Christianity is not a religion. Sometimes when people are new to Christianity, they talk to us in phrases of religion. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship. And... You know, we keep speaking about the bride and the bridegroom. Johannes spoke that word a few weeks ago about us as the church being the bride of Christ. You know, if we are the bride, then surely we have to be intimate with the groom. Otherwise, what is that covenant about? If there is no relationship, if he doesn't know me and I don't know him, what kind of a relationship is that? And... I believe that's why so many Christians are walking around dry. So many Christians are walking around with empty cups. I feel like we are running on fumes. And we are wondering, where is the breakthrough? And we are wondering, well, where is Jesus when I need him? Where is what I want to see in my life, what they preach about every Sunday, what I learn in liberating truths? Why am I not seeing the victory in my life? Why am I not hearing God's voice? Why don't I know who I am, and why don't I know what my purpose is? And I feel like every time I go to the Lord with these questions, sometimes people come to us, and and we have to pray and seek an answer. Lord, what must we we tell these people? Where are you in their lives? And I feel like almost 99% of the time, the answer on my heart comes back to, what does intimacy with me look like? How much time are we spending with Jesus? Because that is the source of life at the end of the day. When I call myself a Christian, that is my source. He is the vine. I can come to church as many times as I want. I can serve on as many teams as I want. I can read my Bible, yes, but I still need the author of the Bible to be present. I still need to find myself in his presence in order to be changed. And I feel like the only way we can do that is time. And the only person that can determine my level of intimacy with Jesus is who? Is me. Is me. The only one that can determine how close I am to the Lord is me. And I believe one of the key strategies, uh, it's so clear to me, even in this week, and and this is a word, honestly, that the Lord speaks to me about often. (laughs) So I am preaching to myself this morning as much as I'm preaching to anyone. Because I believe one of the key strategies of the enemy is this thing called busyness. This thing called distraction. Because listen to how, it's actually really clever. Okay, I don't want to give him credit, but... If he can distract a Christian by not spending time in God's Word, by not spending time in God's presence, then he has has them. Easy. That's why it's called a trap. Okay? Because if he can distract you with the things of this world, if he can keep you busy on all sorts of things, and he can get you to forget about God or to put God... Then you are going to be a fruitless Christian, a barren Christian. Not fruitful. What is the opposite of not fruitful? Barren. Nee? That's how easy it is. And I believe that is the biggest way that the enemy gets us as believers to not walk in the fullness of what Jesus has for us. Number one, our identity. Because I cannot know who I am if I don't spend time with the one that's going to tell me who I am. I can preach to you about identity all day long. If you don't hear from Jesus who he says you are, you will not believe it. So if I don't have identity, I won't have authority. If I don't have authority, it means I don't understand in whose authority I'm going out and doing all these things. Because I can be doing a lot of things for the Lord, but not in His authority. In other words, I won't see that type of results. So it's very important, I believe, that we take time over this festive season. And the reason I felt the Lord wanted to speak this word today is because we're heading into a busy season. It's always like that, isn't it? End of the year, yes, even when we go on vacation... It's family, it's Christmas, it's end-of-the-year functions, it's afslidir and afslidar, and I mean, it's just chaos. November, December, I think some people only rest by the end of January, and then you're back at work again. (laughs) Who's gone through that every year? Festive season, but you don't rest. And I believe that the Lord wants us as a community, and He spoke this to my heart. He said, I want you to focus on me. That's not saying, okay, you know, let the kids make their own Christmas dinner. He's not saying, okay, you know, don't do anything. But it's a question of how am I going to make the Lord part of who I am? In actually, in actual fact, not how am I going to make him part? How is he going to be at the top of my list as we go into this festive season and as we go into 2021? Because I don't actually believe next year will be easier than this year. And that is why the Lord wants to get us back to this place of intimacy. Because if I'm not going to make intimacy with Jesus a priority, I'm not going to make it by the end of 2021. We are not. So in other words, I really believe that God wants to call us back to a place of intimacy because that is where we will be strengthened. That is where we will receive the truth of who we are. We can attend all the church courses we want. But that is not going to give us the depth unless we put in the time with Jesus. And this has really become a revelation to me. The Lord will be happier with me and you, if we do less ministry and we spend more time with him. Because there's no way we can have a fruitful ministry if we are not spending time with the vine. How can the fruit grow if I'm not planted in the vine? It won't. It won't. So I really believe this is, a, this is a word for us this morning. Because number one, we are called to bear fruit. Amen. I what is the purpose of, of Christianity? Not so the Lord can answer our prayers. That's not the aim of Christianity. The aim, number one, is to bear fruit. John 15, Jesus says, You have not chosen me. I have chosen you. Someone needs to hear this morning, Jesus chose you, okay? He called us into relationship first. The groom is the one that that hunts down the bride. Hunts down sounds a bit strange. Um, Pursues is a more beautiful word, okay? I have chosen you and I have appointed you. I have planted you so that you might go and bear fruit and keep on bearing And that your fruit may be lasting. It will remain and abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, as representing all that I am, He may give it to you. So, yes, the Lord will give us what we ask Him. But what is the first thing that comes before that? We are called to bear fruit. What type of fruit, you might ask? Galatians 5. (laughs) But the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The work which his presence within accomplishes. So can we see that we will not be able to bear fruit without intimacy? Because what produces the fruit? Not my works. Not what I do. Not how many times I go to church. How many times I go to home cell. How many times I read my Bible. Have to read our Bibles. But that's not going to produce the fruit. What is going to produce the fruit is His presence. And His presence is found when I go and separate myself to be in it. Amen. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which His presence within accomplishes, is love, joy, gladness, peace, patience, and even temper, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Gentleness, meekness, humility, self control. Against such things, there is no law that can bring a charge. Can I be honest this morning? Can we do a little bit of heart surgery? Sometimes we need to do it. Who feels like they are walking in great joy and peace right now? He's not going to be. Can you give us prayer? Okay, church, God is calling us to walk in peace and in joy. It's a supernatural fruit that comes from the Holy Spirit, from spending time in his presence, from being intimate with him. So, what is the problem in the church that we see today? I don't think we're spending time enough time with Jesus. Because if we do, we will walk in more supernatural ways of fruit. I'm not even talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts are irrevocable. God gives it to us. The fruit is where the problem comes in. Everyone wants the gifts of the Spirit, but no one wants to grow in character of fruit. And the problem with when I walk around in gifts, I can pray for all the sick people, but if I don't love them, if I'm not patient with them, if I don't show gentleness and meekness, then that's not the same Jesus that I'm showing the world. That's not a Jesus that people will be attracted to. This is the Jesus that people are going to be attracted to. We need to bear fruit. And listen to what Jesus says fruitfulness only comes through one way one way it's intimacy. That's that. I'm not going to encourage you to do 10 courses. I'm not going to tell you. Yes, I'm going to tell you to do the courses. (laughs) But that's not going to give intimacy. Johannes and I can teach. The team can teach liberating truths. But if you are not going to go and spend time with Jesus and make it your own, you will get zero out of that course. Zero. And you'll walk out and you'll think, oh, this Christianity and this sucks. I'm not getting what anyone is saying I'm going to get. But if I'm not going to put in the time, I'm not going to receive what's mine. Amen? Listen what Jesus says in John 15. He says, dwell in me, and I will dwell in you. Live in me, and I will live in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit of itself, without abiding, being vitally united to the vine... Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. That word abide speaks of dwell, not to depart, to be present, to be held, to remain as one, and to wait for. You know what I believe, and I'm struggling with this often. The Lord has to remind me of this. I struggle with sometimes rushing. Rushing, being busy, it must happen. Okay. Sometimes I get annoyed with Johannes. We have different paces. Put it like that. Talitha and I were talking about the gym this morning. We would make fun. <laughs> sometimes I would be ten minutes into exercise and then Johannes only starts. But but sometimes, sometimes we are like that with the Lord. We want to rush. If he doesn't, if he's not there one minute into my quiet time, I'm thinking, oh, he's not coming. You know, I'm just going to go on. Okay. He takes too long to answer, so I'm just going to go about and do my own thing. I mean, really. But, oh, my word, what I'm learning is that the Lord doesn't work to my rush time schedule. I have to learn how to wait on the Lord. And he's teaching me through my marriage. (laughs) Johannes has all the peace in the world. We can go grocery shopping. And he has this idea to look through every item in every shelf. I know what I want. Okay, I've got a list. I've got five things. I know exactly what is where. Five minutes is my goal. And I'm out of there. He shops, looks around. Maybe there's someone that he can have a chat with. I'm not talking to anyone. I'm on a mission. And the Lord wants to slow us down. And that's why lockdown was beautiful, but I've already forgotten all of that. Because I'm on mission. okay. And a lot of us are like that. We we approach our relationship with the Lord in a rushed way. And I believe that that is what the enemy loves to use against us. Because God is not to be rushed. Those of you trusting the Lord for a spouse. God is not to be rushed, but he's never late. He's also never early, but he's never late. I just want to encourage your heart this morning. He knows the desires of your heart. So we say that the secret ingredient is time and the time is ticking. It's time. Okay. And I believe busyness is actually a disease of our current day. Hey, would you agree? They did a study in 2006 in the USA, a study among, I wrote it down, 20,000 Christians. 20,000 Christians, 139 nations. They did a study on busyness, okay? And they did the study over a period of six years with the same people. Guess how many Christians said, out of those 20,000, that they are too busy to pursue a relationship with the Lord. These are Christians. Six out of ten. This was already, when did I say it was? A couple of years ago. Sixty percent of Christians interviewed were too busy to pursue a relationship with the Lord. Okay, what's the problem? If that is the state of the church, what are we busy with as the church? If we are not intimate with the bridegroom, what are we busy with? If we are not intimate with the bridegroom, we are not producing fruit. So what is the, what is the world seeing in the church? If we are not intimate with the bridegroom, they are seeing a church in adultery. Because that's what it is. If I'm not intimate with the bridegroom, I'm intimate with the world. So to me, that's a scary thought. If the church is in adultery, okay, we live fast-paced lifestyle. Everything must happen instantly. Microwave society. We live in pressure. We live in constant deadline-driven society. I mean, I remember working in corporate. I would drive in Cape Town. I would drive, what, an hour and a half in the morning, an hour and a half, maybe two hours at night, peak time traffic. rat race lifestyle. Oh, my gosh. It killed my soul. Deadline driven. I mean, we would not, I worked in an advertising agency. There was no such thing as after work or leaving work. The office came with me. It came on my phone. It came on my laptop. It came through all sorts of ways. I was always, we had to be always reachable. If my boss wanted to email me at eight o'clock at night, she wanted to reply by nine. I mean, those were the kind of things that were considered normal. So there was no balance to that life. Technology, we live constantly on technology. We are never switched off. Have you noticed? We go to bed with our phones. I am guilty of this. Okay? We have overstimulated adults, overstimulated teenagers, and overstimulated children. I see children that know more about phones, laptops, iPads than we know. They are just very clever. They just know how to work technology. But the problem is, what are the effects of this always-on, fast-paced lifestyle, these packed schedules with no margin, with no time for rest, no time for the Lord, no time for even marriage or family? You will burn out eventually. This is not new for anyone. Everyone knows this. But I believe the Lord wants to make a serious change in our schedules as we go into 2021. That light on our phone, who knows that that light, those, that blue light actually suppresses the sleep hormone in our bodies. So, some people come to us and they complain about um, insomnia. But then if you ask, okay, do you go to bed with your phone at night? Yes. I spend about two, three hours on my phone before I go to bed. Okay, but this who comes? It's silly little things like that. And I do this. I got into great rhythms of, you know, I learned from my one boss in ministry. He said, no, every night at 6 o'clock when he comes home from work, the phone goes into a box in the kitchen. Both him and his wife, they put their phones in there and they put it on silent. And they only take it out after the kids have gone to bed and all these things. Oh, I tried it for a while. <laughs> so, you know, there's lots of new habits we can try and cultivate. But I really pray that the Lord speaks a deep word to our hearts this morning of whatever that looks like in your life, whatever is keeping you from more intimacy with Jesus, that we will decide to make that change. And the Lord will empower us, but He leaves the decision up to us. He's gentle and meek. Remember, He will not force Himself. We have to make the decision. Psalm 39 verse 6 says, We are merely moving shadows, and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. Can I read an Afrikaans one? In die boodskap, Psalm 39, that same scripture in Afrikaans sê, Die mens hou al met baie dinge besig, en sloof homself af. Nee, doesn't that sound like us? Hy make a klomp besittings by mekaar, maar hy weet nie eers wie dit gaan erf nie. This is the Afrikaans version. So Jesus is saying this morning that there is a deeper place of intimacy. That will actually, the irony is that when we actually allocate that time to the Lord, and when we put Him first, that we will actually have more energy, more wisdom, more discernment, more everything to do what He has called us to do. We've tested this in our own time. The times where we put the Lord, I mean literally, first thing in the morning, This is just what works for us. Whatever works for you and your schedule. We don't have children. So I know our house looks a lot different. But we have a church, and that's like a really big baby. Okay? It also keeps you up at night sometimes. And what what we have found is that the days where I put the Lord first, where I honestly, I spend an hour to two hours with the Lord. Now everyone's going to go, I must spend. You don't have to spend two hours. Newborn moms sometimes have 10 minutes. God can meet you in 10 minutes. Okay. Every, God honors every season. I just want to add that in. But the mornings I have made God first priority, somehow my day works out. Somehow I get to everything supernaturally. But the enemy wants you to believe that if I give time to Jesus, I won't have time for all these other things. Actually, when I give time to Jesus, maybe half these things weren't even necessary. And he will actually help you to remove that. It's the same with finances. The moment I started tithing, I realized, oh, actually, I'm getting even further with my money than I did while I was holding on to it. It's a supernatural thing. And it's the same with our time. But in order for me to not run out of time, let's get to Luke 10. Okay, everyone knows the story. Who knows the story of Mary and Martha? Okay, everyone knows. If you don't know, we are going to tell you the story of Mary and Martha today. And I love this story because always when I struggle in this area, Holy Spirit brings me back to Martha. Martha. Okay, Luke 10, verse 38. It's on you, vision. If you are there, if you are in a real Bible, like Johannes, you can turn the pages of your Bible. It's more holy when you read in paper. That's a grabby. Okay, Luke 10, verse 38. Some people's Bibles need some dusting at the end of this year, ne? Okay, it says, now while they were on their way, so Jesus is on journey with his disciples. He's just told them the parable of the Good Samaritan, where he said that we need to serve and help people, okay? Now while they were on their way, it occurred that Jesus entered a certain village, and a woman named Martha received and welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister named Mary, who, was seated, his, who seated herself at the Lord's feet, And was listening to his teaching. But Martha, overly occupied and too busy, was distracted with much serving. Everyone say distracted. And she came up to him and said, Lord, is it nothing to you that my sister has left me to serve alone? Ali Martha stick off my land. I know there's more than one of us. Yes. Okay. Lord. Why do I have to do all the work around here? Seriously. Tell her then to help me to lend a hand and do her part along with me. And the Lord replied to her saying, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Everyone say many things. There is need of only one or but a few things. And Mary has chosen the good portion, that which is to her advantage, which shall not be taken away from her. Okay, so when I first read this scripture, I thought, Lord, okay, I don't get it. Martha is a godly woman, okay, she probably has the gift of hospitality. If I heard Jesus was coming to my house, you can ask Johannes, I would be mopping five times. I would be cleaning. I would be preparing. We would go to Czechos. We would buy the ingredients. You know, there's things to do. Okay, I am just in my personality. I'm not like Mary that will just sit on my behind and think someone else is going to do it. You can ask our team on a Sunday. Things have to be excellent. I want to get things done. Some of us have that type of personality, and I believe that the Lord gave us that. So did Jesus rebuke Martha for her personality? No. But Jesus discerned a different problem to her busyness. She wasn't just busy because she was acting in her gift of hospitality and the most important person in the whole world was coming to her house. Okay, I think all of us would do the same. But Jesus discerned there was another problem. What was coming out of Martha's mouth? She wasn't even listening to, well, she wasn't even listening to Jesus' teaching. Here Jesus is, he's got limited time left on earth. He's come to their house to bring a message. He himself is sitting in the living room. Everyone is hanging on to his lips and he's teaching. She's fretting about in the kitchen. I can so see myself being Martha. She's flapping her wings, and she says to Jesus immediately, don't you care? And sometimes we can find ourselves in that position where we feel, Jesus, but don't you care? And then we accuse our brothers and sisters. Can you see she's not helping me? Can you see? But what was Jesus actually discerning out of what was coming out of Martha's mind or mouth and heart. That her busyness, she wasn't just busy because she had a really, really heavy workload of getting the house ready. He discerned that she was busy because there was another route behind her busyness. That word for distracted in verse 40 is perispato, which means to be drawn away, to be too busy, to be overly occupied. And it implies that her attention was drawn away by the burden of her responsibilities. Sometimes we can find ourselves in a place where we are so busy. Not because God gave us a lot to do. But because we are burdened, overburdened, and distracted by other things other than Jesus. And this is not a a teaching To say that we should just be sitting at Jesus' feet and worshiping and listening and never do the work. It is saying that the most important thing starts with worship and intimacy. And from that place only, we can serve. From that place only, we will be fruitful in what we do. Amen. I'm going to quickly talk through four root causes that often drives us in our busyness. It's not just the case of God gave us a full schedule. Sometimes things drive our busyness. There's something in the root of our soul. Number one, FOMO. FOMO is real, ne? Fear of missing out, for those who don't know. Fear of missing out. Now, this was me when I first got to know the Lord. There was not a team I did not serve on because I didn't want to miss out. There was not a team meeting I didn't attend because I didn't want to miss out. There was not a service I was part of the 8.30 service, but there were five services on a Sunday. And then I heard the 5 o'clock team had so much fun and the Lord did this in the service. So I joined the 5 o'clock team as well so I don't miss out there. I ended up serving five services on a Sunday, 8.30, 10, 11.30, 5, and 6, something like that. And then 8 o'clock, I have to be at work because I worked full time at the agency, remember, that still had emails at 8 o'clock at night. But then on Tuesday nights, we had home cell group. On, no, Tuesday nights, we had courses. I did all the courses. Wednesday nights, we had home cell group, which I didn't miss, and it was every week. Thursday nights, we had creative night because I was on the communication team, so I had to be a creative night as well. And then Friday night, we had outreach. So I didn't sleep much. I was all busy with the work of the Lord. And from the outside, it may look so noble to others. But I had no time for the the Lord of the work. I got so burnt out, and I got to a place where my heart was actually resentful towards my own church and resentful towards the Lord because I am so tired. But did the Lord tell me to serve five services on a Sunday? Did He tell me to join every single team in one season? I mean, I literally on a Sunday was involved in three teams at the same time. (laughs) Okay, and listen, the church loves volunteers. We love volunteers. We are always in need of more volunteers. So it was easy for leaders to just look the other way, because at least I have one hand in that team, even though her hands are in in three other teams. Okay, and some of us, this can be applied to our lives. We say yes to everything because we are scared we are going to miss out. Fear of man. Number two, we struggle to get to a... Oh, my word. We struggle, okay, to say no to people because we are scared. Because we are scared that, you know, what if people don't like me? What if they dismiss me? What if I say no to my boss because I want to have a boundary in place for my time and my health and my family And I'm scared I'm not going to be promoted because I'm not the one saying yes. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in and puts his confidence in the Lord will be exalted and will be safe. In 1 Samuel 15, King Saul was made king by the people. And then the Lord gave him an instruction through the prophet Samuel, and he didn't obey the Lord. And then when the prophet came to him, and he said, why did you not obey the Lord? He said, I was scared of the people. So I did what the people wanted me to do. And sometimes we can find ourselves in a place where we are led by people, not by the Lord. And God puts leaders in place, for sure. But my responsibility is first to hear from the Lord for myself. Before I go to Johannes to confirm my word. Pastor, what must I do? Well, what did the Lord tell you? Then I'll tell you what I feel. Sometimes we live in a place where other people will decide our agendas. Other people will decide our schedules. Other people will decide our priorities for us because we fear their reaction. We fear their rejection. Number three, we live in a fear that God will not provide. In Matthew six thirty-one to 33, Jesus teaches Do not worry about what you will eat. Do not worry about what you will drink. Am I not the one that will take care of you? Does my father not know that you have that need? And I think sometimes we find, especially men, are wired that way. Men are wired to be the provider. But I think sometimes we find ourselves in a place where we work so hard to provide that we actually neglect the Lord. And through us trying to provide for ourselves in the place where it becomes unhealthy, where I'm overburdened, I'm burnt out, I'm tired, I neglect my marriage, I neglect my kids, I neglect God. I end up actually not providing at all. I neglect not providing the emotional support that they need, the spiritual leadership that my family needs. The spiritual leadership that Jesus wants to give me if I just give him time. Number four. We can seek our affirmation and our identity in what we do. So in other words, sometimes I can find myself being so busy trying to overachieve in every area because I want people to affirm me. I'm looking for identity. Who am I? So now I get into this Martha performance trap where I feel like I have to prove myself in order to earn love. I have to prove myself through my achievements, my busy schedule, that my life has value and worth. Because if I have nothing in my schedule, then people will think there's nothing in my life. And we can find ourselves in this place where we can be driven by these kind of fears and we can be driven by a need for identity and affection and applause that actually we will receive when we just give the time to Jesus first. I have totally not even gone through halfway. But I'm going to end. Jesus honored Mary. Why? Jesus honored Mary because she chose, as he told Martha, she chose the good thing. What was the one thing that she chose? She chose to be in Jesus' presence first. And that word needed in the Greek, actually means necessity. So Mary chose the thing that was a necessity, Jesus said. It was a necessity for her to be at his feet, to be in his presence, to hear his word, so that the works can be done. Mary chose intimacy over busyness. Mary chose intimacy over being distracted by the things of this world. It wasn't wrong that Martha was preparing. But Jesus said, I don't want you worried and anxious and overburdened by many things. This was not about Jesus being in her living room. This was about the other concerns of her heart that was driving her busyness. And I believe that the Lord wants to get us out of that place of worry and anxiety And fear that is driving our schedules, that is driving our focus and our attention. And he wants to release us from that so we can get back to the place of his feet. That is the place where our strength is found. That is the the place where our identity is found, where our authority is given. That is the place from which we will be able to bear fruit. I'm going to give you three tips very quickly. Okay, great. How do we change it? Okay, I'm going to ask us this morning, are we willing to give up the busyness of the kitchen for the intimacy of the living room? Because if we are saying yes, know that this will confront us on many levels. This will confront us in terms of what we see as priority in our lives. Because oftentimes what we see as priority and what Jesus sees as priority are two different things. And a disclaimer, God's heart is not for us to just sit down like Mary. Because I was like, well, what was Mary doing? She was just sitting. Okay, nothing's going to get done when we all just sit down. But he's saying my doing can only come from my sitting down first. God is talking about a balance between my intimacy and worship. And my works. But if I cannot get to a place of balance, I will end up living a fruitless life for Christ. I will be like the guy in Psalm 39 that rushes around for nothing. Because all my rushing around and my busyness and my overpacked schedule will end up in nothing. It will just be no fruit for the kingdom. And I don't believe that is God's heart for us. I don't believe God's heart for us is to run around like headless chickens on fumes. No. His heart is for us to, number one, be a loved and accepted son and daughter of the Most High. God is not looking for workers. Yes, He is raising up workers. But He's first looking for sons and daughters. Okay, I remember my parents loving me before I did anything for them, before I could help in the kitchen with the dishes and stuff like that. They first loved me. I was first a daughter in the house. Okay? He's looking for sons and daughters first. He wants to hold you. When was the last time you felt like Jesus held you in his arms? Man's in front, it? Where he just held you. And he just told you how much he loves you. We want to go off and we want to change the world, but we don't even want to be held first by him. And I know this is going to confront a lot of us this morning, but that is, that is Jesus' heart. He wants to be a shepherd that tenderly cares for the sheep first, before the sheep does the work. Amen? Number one, I believe we need to, we're going to go over five minutes. Is that okay? Choose your priorities well. (laughs) Number one, turn off the noise. We live in constant noise. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. 1 Kings 19 verse 12 with Elijah, it says that there was an earthquake. I love ministry time where it's like, you know, where the line of Judah comes in and there's victory and war and yay. But it says that he was not in the earthquake. Then came a fire. Oh, I love the fire ministry. Okay, Holy Spirit, come down with fire. Okay, yes. But he was not in the fire. Instead, it says he was there in the still, small voice. Church, we are not called to walk around not hearing the voice of our creator. This word right here is not the first voice of the Lord that we are supposed to hear on a Sunday. We are supposed to hear his voice every single day. But if we are not going to turn off the noise and get quiet and make time for it, we will not hear him. Sometimes I think the Lord does try and catch our attention. <laughs> through some loud means. If he sees that, okay, but he is looking for us to get quiet. And I believe the Christian practice of solitude has died somewhere along the way. Christians don't practice solitude. And I just want to know how on earth are we going to hear his voice if we never get quiet? We have to get quiet. There was a documentary done in the UK a couple of years ago. It's called The Beak Silence. You can actually go and Google it on YouTube. The Beak Silence. We shared it with our team last year when we were talking about this thing of solitude. How many of the team practiced solitude since then? And we said, they did, it was a British monk, and he took people, you know, atheists, non believers, whoever, anyone. And I think there were eight people in a house. They took them up to a monastery somewhere on a hill, completely separated from people, from technology, from the world, for I think it was seven days or ten days or something like that. And the challenge was they were going to document them to see how well they would handle silence, complete silence. They were not even allowed to talk to each other. And this was a fascinating documentary. After four days, people lost it. They were irritated, they were frustrated, they were angry. I don't mean inside." Because the silence made them crazy. And the one guy, after seven days, everyone kind of chilled out a little bit. Somehow they got used to it. But the one guy that was the, the biggest atheist of them all, don't believe in God, what nonsense. I think day seven or day eight, I can't remember the facts. you can go and Google it. He cried during the interview. And when they interviewed him, they said, why are you so emotional? And he said, I heard my creator speak to me. And he said, God is very much alive. He had no Bible. He, they had no teaching. They had no nothing. They just had silence. And he said, my creator spoke to me. And he was broken. He lost it. Seven days of silence. We need to get back to a place of silence. And listen, many of my friends have had babies. Okay, I know. There is a time when you've got a small screaming baby. If you have 10 minutes, you are blessed. Then you take your 10 minutes. I had a friend, I said to her, "When, when do you ever spend time with the Lord, with your newborn? I think she had twins. She said to me, 10 minutes in the toilet. That's what I have. And I said, well, you take it. God honors every season. But we can, even between spouses. I, one of, my boss, the one with the cell phones, he said between him and his wife, every quarter, just four times a year. You know, you can do what works for your family. Everyone's situation is different. He would say to her, their kids are in primary school. I'm going to take the kids for the weekend. You go and just go somewhere. For two nights, just by yourself. You, Jesus, your Bible, your notebook, that's it. And she does the same for him. And they've worked out a team schedule between themselves that works for them, where one of them can just spend two days alone with Jesus. She said to me, it's made me a better wife. And he said, it's made me a better husband, a better father, and a better leader. Because I take time for Jesus. Whatever that looks like for your family, God will honor it when you put him first. Number two, we need to develop rhythms of rest. Matthew 11. Second last scripture, then I'm done. Come to me, Jesus says, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest. Listen to the definition of rest in the Amplified. Relief, ease, refreshment, recreation, a blessed quiet for your souls. How refreshed is your soul today? Your soul, remember our soul, we are spirit, body, and soul. Spirit is where Holy Spirit lives. But our soul is our mind, our will, our emotions, our heart. How refreshed is that this morning? And I want to challenge you, church, what is our strategy to refresh our souls as we go into this festive season? Are we going to give time for Jesus to help us to rest on the inside? Because we are not going to be able to be strong and to tackle this year in all its facets coming if we are not going to find a place of rest and allow the Lord to restore our souls. Number three, and this is my last point, we need to take charge of our own time. Time and time again, the Lord tells me, You decide. I am actually the one that decides. What I give my time to. And I want to I encourage you, maybe go and do this week. Do a time stock take. Because sometimes we feel like we can't even remember what we spend our time on. I've spent time on Facebook, for example, mindless scrolling. And I found myself for two hours mindless scrolling. And what do I feel at the end of it? Definitely not refreshed. Okay. Nothing against Facebook. But it is, what am I spending my time on. Time is a gift and the Lord says that we will be rewarded for how we use our time on earth. So let's not waste it. And again, I'm speaking to myself here. What must leave our life that is currently not bearing fruit? And what, what is bearing fruit that maybe we need to do more of? Maybe we need to invest more time in those things that are actually bearing fruit. And only you and the Lord will know what that is in your life. Maybe it's a season where your kids are very young and they need a lot of your input. They need a lot of mommy and daddy time. Maybe it's a time where you don't have anyone at home to take care of, so you can invest more time in helping to take care of brothers and sisters in the church. Maybe you have more time to do outreach. Maybe you have more time to serve in the church. Come and talk to us afterwards. Okay, whatever in your season It's between you and the Lord to work out what your priorities are. Johannes and I cannot tell you what your priorities are. We can give you indications, but it's between you and the Lord. Maybe your marriage needs attention. Second last point. If you are in leadership and you are doing everything, I want to read a scripture to you. In Exodus 18, verse 17 to 18, Moses is talking to his father-in-law and he's complaining about how he has no time for anything. And his father-in-law goes and he observes one day with Moses. And he sees Moses is the only one as the leader of the nation handling all the disputes of an entire nation. And his father-in-law looks at him, Jethro, and he says, Moses, are you crazy? This is me paraphrasing. This is too much for you to handle. Why don't you start delegating, putting in place people that can actually do the work, and you only handle the most difficult cases? And his father-in-law had to come in and teach him on how to delegate. We always teach our team, and we are going to take this to the next level next year, who are you training up to replace you? It's a basic principle of leadership. Who am I equipping under me? It's the same in, in my job. I remember in, in the ad agency, before I got a promotion, I had to train someone up in my role. Okay? We need to learn how to delegate. Some of us do everything on our own. Some of us have kids. They are old enough to do dishes. Let them learn how to serve. Let them learn how to do it. I did dishes from probably eight years old. <laughs> That's why I'm still doing dishes. Happy. <laughs> Okay, and the last point that I want to make (laughs) is boundaries. Some of us just need a couple of strong, healthy, solid boundaries in our life. Of people wanting your time, people wanting a place, and we just need to say, I'm sorry, this is my boundary. Ioannis and I have had to create a boundary in ministry, otherwise we are going to burn out. Because as a pastor... People do believe that we are always available. And we are always available. But if we don't create a healthy place where it's just us, where we can focus on our marriage and we can nurture our time with God, we are going to end up burning out. And I think it was Talitha, we spoke about it at Liberating Truths last week. She said, I don't want a tired pastor. I don't want a pastor that doesn't hear the voice of the Lord. So we have a boundary. Mondays is our Saturday, Mondays is our off day. We put off our phones. Okay, we don't get it right every single Monday, but we do try. That is our day where we rest. That is our date night, Monday nights. We have to because Sunday is a work day for us. And if we just work seven days a week, we're not going to end up bearing any fruit in this ministry. We need to hear the Lord's voice more than ever, every day. So some of us just need a healthy boundary. If it's your date night with your wife, don't let anyone interrupt it. Protect it. If it's a daytime with your children, protect it. If it's your time with Jesus, protect it. People can wait. Call back at nine. I sometimes tell people, can I call you back later? You don't always have to say what it is for. But most often, it can wait. The team can put up the music and I'm going to close the service for us. But I want to ask two questions this morning. If you are sitting here this morning, you can just close your eyes as we just take time for the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. If you are here this morning and we are speaking of the place of intimacy with Jesus, we're speaking of a place of sitting at His feet. But maybe you are here this morning and you've actually never even experienced that first love of Christ. You've never actually been in a place where you felt like God has called you into relationship. Because that's where it starts. It starts with a relationship with Him. And it starts with a free will choice that I can make to decide to follow Jesus. To decide to make Him Lord of my life. I have to first become born again, the Bible says, before I can have access to that life. Before I can have access to that peace, that joy, that life that He wants to give me. Hell is a real place. And I know we don't like to talk about it, but that's the reality. And we've always said we are not going to be a church that's going to beat around the bush. You have to make a decision for Jesus. You have to choose Him. He died on the cross so that you and I might have life and life in abundance. And when I make a decision to take Jesus into my life and to make Him Lord and Savior and to repent of my old life, repentance means I turn around and I go His direction. I change course to follow Him then that life is available for me, that my sins is forgiven and I can receive forgiveness and I can have eternal life, which means when I die today, I know I'm going to be in heaven in eternity forever with Jesus. Just as we, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if you are here and you have never, ever made that decision, I want to give you an opportunity to make that decision this morning. And all we're going to do, we're just going to pray for you. And we have a little gift to explain to you what this decision means. If you have never, ever made Jesus Lord of your life, I want you to just gently raise your hand. I can pray with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And there's a second group of people that I want to pray with this morning if you are sitting here and I know we prayed before the message started and we spoke about if you feel like you're running on empty and we prayed for the Holy Spirit to fill us but I want to pray for a second group of people if you are sitting here this morning and something in this message spoke to your heart and you recognize that you are actually driven into busyness and you feel like I've actually neglected the Lord in my quiet time in my overall schedule I've neglected the Lord I've not made Him priority in my schedule I've not I'm not in a place of intimacy with Jesus right now then I just want you to gently raise your hand I'm going to pray for you awesome thank you for being honest this morning I believe that the Lord honors a desperate and an honest heart and He's got an appointment with all of us this morning And I want you to just repeat after me this morning. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me no matter what I do or what I don't do. Thank you that I am accepted in the beloved. I am sorry for neglecting you I am sorry, Lord, for not giving you first place in my schedule, in my time, in my heart. And I ask you this morning to help me, show me, where must I make changes? Where must I let go? of things that are not bearing fruit. And please show me what is bearing fruit and where I need to focus more on that. I want to abide in you. I want to grow through you. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm sorry we went over a little bit longer, but I feel like that's the best 15 minutes you could have invested in. (laughs) But church, I want to encourage us honestly. I really felt like the Lord impressed this on my heart for me personally, for us in this ministry, but for all of us. Let's take time to reflect over this festive season and ask Him, Lord, show me Where do you need me to invest my time in? It could be different things in your job. It could be less things. It could be more family. It could be more church. Whatever God tells you is what you need to obey. Amen.